We are looking at a flow of thought that comes out of chapter 12, verse 1. And he's dealing with a church that has conflict in it, schisms, disunity, personality cults, immorality, a few other odds and ends. Let's ask the Lord to teach us, and then we'll drop into 12 and 13. Father, we come before your throne to hear your word, to draw upon you who are the creator and sustainer of existence. Father, I ask now that you give us ears to hear. Open our hearts, Lord, that we may receive. Father, may we understand the urgency of the day, the urgency of the moment. May we understand the privilege of being in the body of Christ. Father, the power that exists in the body of Christ. To your praise, to your glory. Amen. Verse 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul is giving us an illustration and a reality. An amazing text, actually. I want you to think about something you just did. Okay? You just sang. You had a little print thing that you sang from. And here's the words that you sang. I live for you alone. Every breath I take... Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way with me. Really? You better read that again. And you may want to just mouth it the next time. Because if you are proclaiming that to him, I'm thinking maybe he's expecting some response. Just an idea. I mean, we say we gather together to sing praises to Him. You really want to sing that before Him? I I sang it through the first time and said, Whoa, I better watch my mouth. You know, maybe you guys are better than I am, but I read that and thought, Whoa. Every moment I'm awake, what? Every breath that I take, Lord, really have your way with me? Really? You, we're all gathered here on Sunday morning. Yes, amen, brother. When are we going to eat? <laughs> you know, man does not live by the word alone, but by bread and red robins. <laughs> right? He has given you an illustration. He says, verse 12 says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are members, they are many, okay? They are one body. You don't make it one body. You have a relationship to Jesus Christ, and if you have a relationship to Jesus Christ, then you have to have a relationship to the church. If you do not have a relationship to the church, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All right? How important is that? Well, there's a broad path and a narrow path. And those who are on the broad path will say, Did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do great signs and wonders in your name? And Jesus will say, Away from me, I never knew you okay now the broad path that ain't the drug dealers please understand that isn't the prostitutes that isn't the crooks that isn't all them people in prison those are people who are worshiping the way they choose to worship those of you who come on saturday nights we've seen this this is an ongoing theme what got cain in trouble He murdered his brother. No, 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 no. It started before that. Okay? What caused the condemnation of the flood? Same thing. We're going to do it our way. What was happening to the church in Corinth? They were doing it their way. They were allowing the philosophies, they were allowing the patterns of the world to come in and actually become the driving force that exists in the church. 
Here's a quote that I ran into. I'd give anything if I could remember who said it. Because I, I think one of the problems that is in the church today um, is we've lacked the relationship to him, to Jesus Christ, and we are becoming very organized. Listen, I am not against being organized in spite of looking at my desk. Okay, I am organized. It's just organized clutter. Okay, uh, there is rhyme and reason to it, um, though it's coded. Okay, and unless you have the secret decoding ring, you don't know what I'm doing. And those of you who are close to me who say, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he lost his decoder ring too. <laughs> All right. But one of the things that I have seen in Christianity is that it is very organized. You have denominations, you have thought processes, you have da 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 all the rest of it. This man made this statement, and I'd give anything if I could remember who said it. I think I remember who said it, but I don't want to attribute something to somebody who ain't true. And this is the quote. When Christians get organized, they get very unchristian. When Christians get organized, they get very unchristian. Okay, you know, I hate to admit it, but that's right. Now, listen, I don't mean we, don't mean we just fly around woo because it was obvious in the church in Corinth they were doing that and he was kind of ticked off about it. There needs to be a flow. There needs to be organization. He, he shows you a structure in First Timothy and in Titus that this is how it's going to work and this is how it is to proceed. Absolutely, I agree with that. But I watch the philosophy of the world has a grip on the church today. If you study church history, uh, the time that the, of the church, it is most like the world is when it's organized. It has an organizational structure. Okay? Listen, and you don't think you ain't bought into it? Okay? Why do I have worship teams? What the heck is a worship team? Who leads worship in the church? The guy who's got the Bible. Key phrase. The guy who has the Bible. That's worship. Who's the worship leader? I am. Okay? Music is supposed to come out of worship. We say music sets our heart to worship. Let me tell you something. If all of it takes for you to worship is a song, we got a problem. We got a serious problem. All right? I have heard all kinds of songs that bring tears to my eyes and goosebumps, and Jesus don't like them. You know what we did, don't you? We bought the philosophy of the world. I, I, I was just going through some stuff. My wife, I got up this morning kind of in a frantic, and my wife seen me in there writing, and she says, Terry, it's Sunday morning. And I said, yeah. And she says, what are you doing? I said, writing this sermon. She says, what'd you do all week? I said, I wrote the other sermon. She says, Saturday? And I said, No. The one that God said, I can't preach today. You need to take this a different direction. Why? Because you're missing something. And it became very clear. All right. There's no question the fact that the church has been turned into an organization. Would you agree? Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I don't have, I don't have to prove that one. It is an organization. Uh, here's the problem. The church was never designed... To do that, never, ever was it designed to do that. It was never designed along the lines of the world's organizational principles, okay? To follow business philosophies. I remember a guy, and it used to be in this church, and he was the head of, he was the, head of the treasury, or he was the, the guy who wrote the checks and made the budget and all the stuff like that. And... 
I remember him sitting in a meeting one day, and he said the reason that he does that, it was he was a vice president with a big corporation, and that's what he did for his corporation. And we were discussing some theological things. He says, I could care less about theology. I'm concerned about the finances. And that was the first touch that I had of, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The church at times is, is literally a, a selling agency. I've heard pastors preach this. I am in the selling business. I will market you Jesus. We have bought Madison Avenue philosophy of promotions. Churches. Now, I ask you, you think I'm crazy. You go look at a successful church today. How do people identify it? Numbers. And if you have numbers, you have money. If you have money, you have gimmicks. And what has the church become? It's business. Listen, if that's what we need to do, first and foremost, you need to get rid of me. Okay? I was successful in business numerous different times in business adventures. And you know what? I never did advertise. I always did it by word of mouth. People knew what I did for a living. They knew that I was exceptionally good at what I did. I did it with great care and understanding that I wanted to give you the best possible product that I could give you when I got finished. Okay? And somewhere along the line, the church has lost its concept of what it's supposed to be. Okay? I'm not sure that some in this room ain't guilty. All right? Why? We have a society that I believe has impacted the church more than the church has impacted the society. And the reason is, the church looks just like the society, so what do we offer? If I look just like a business, what am I offering people? Um, Did you know that a church is not a place that you go to watch? Did you know that? And yet I know that there are documentations and records and reports and surveys that said, if you want to have a successful church, you have to have a certain style of chair. You think I'm kidding? You know why we bought these? Because the person that was behind it said that a person's spine has to be this much and they have to have enough room for the width of their butt. And they don't want to have to feel like that they are crowded against somebody else. Because, see, people in the West are more into roomy. You think I'm kidding you? I know a church that was built here in town, and all the classrooms are huge. The classrooms are this size, and they have about five or ten people in it because people in the West mentality do not like small rooms. The church isn't a place for gimmicks to attract people, for profit making. People give for a tax write-off so the church can make a profit. I know people who said the church needs to invest in this because they can sell it for a profit. I know churches right now, you can go to some of the websites and they'll sell you a bus. They'll sell you copiers. They'll sell you computers. You can buy all of this stuff. And it's all, of course, holy. And it's a business. Did you also know that the church was never designed to be run by paid professionals who do all the work while everybody else watches? Did you know that? Did you know that you exist right now in what I call a society of watchers? That is the society that you're in right now. We sit at home and we watch the world happen. On the news, on 
movies, this, that, or the other. We leave our homes so we can do what? Go watch something. I'm going to go to the movie. I like to people watch. I'm going to go see a musical. I'm going to go see a game. You know why? I can tell you why. It's very simple. We don't want no involvement. I just want to watch. I don't want no responsibility. I just want to watch. I, I don't want commitment. I just want to watch. We want to watch. I just want to watch. Okay, and you know what has happened? The church has fallen into this. We literally believe that a church that is blessed has a lot of bodies so they can hire a bunch of professionals so you can watch. You know what I see it? It's the local religious production. You think I'm kidding? Plant a church, put your little mailers out there and tell them that you can sit and watch and I guarantee you, you can draw off of many of the existing bodies of people today. They'll come to watch. That's your society. Now listen, it impacts every one of you in this room. I'm included. I am absolutely included. There's times I'd rather sit and watch. Why? I don't have to be involved. I don't have responsibility. Well, it's fine. Well, it didn't work. I knew it wasn't going to work. Why? Because well, I've been watching. Okay? If God was there, He don't need me now, does He? Church has turned into a spectator place. It is not a community of social sinners. Not sinners like bad people. I see people who go to church because it's a nice place to go. I know people who said, I'm parting my brains out. I'm chasing girls all over the place. When I get ready to settle down, I will go to church and find me a wife. Okay? Why do we have singles groups in churches? You know what it is? Christian meat market. That's all it is. It's just a bar without the alcohol. Maybe. That's what it is. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to part of my brains out. When I get ready to settle down, I'm going to find me a good Christian woman. Well, I'll tell you what, if you do, you better hope I don't get involved. Okay? I see people who think the church is sort of like a country club. I don't have to pay the dues. And you know what? Being that I have influence in my society or possibly in the business world, there's a, maybe I can have a place of power there. Okay? We have made an organization out of the body of Christ. Please hear what I said. We have made an organization out of Christ. Okay? Listen, there is organization, but the church is an organism. All right? You take a corpse and lay it down. I'm talking, you know, where the, you push on them, they do that. Maybe you've never experienced that. It's quite interesting. It don't give. How weird. Um, you take a corpse and ask yourself a question. Is it organized? Absolutely. It is very organized. Is it an organism? No, it is not. I can go out and take my truck. My truck is organized. It's a good thing. Push the key in, turn it here, let the glow plugs come on. Start it up, boom, you're ready. Right? Is it alive? No. It is not an organism. The body of Christ, the true church, is an organism. Paul, we are all baptized. Are we not? Look what he says. He says that the church is like the body. It has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are what? One body. One body. Okay? 
so also is Christ. Okay? That's the illustration. Now he gives us the reality, and I'm just going to pick this up and watch it. He says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Okay? That is the formation of this organism. It is alive. It grows. It moves. It does things that you and I can't comprehend. Here's the reason. It has one life source. Guess what? It ain't you. It ain't you. If you think the church can't function without you, you're a fool. The church can't function without Christ. And yet, what do you see the church doing today? Functioning without Christ. We have a big church here in town. Took church out of her name. And everybody says, doesn't that bother you? I said, no, that's a blessing. Right. I don't think it's a church. Right? See what I mean? Don't, Don't hang the name on there if that ain't what you're going to be. Why? Because it is not an organization. I, I, I hear people say, well, I'm the administrative pastor. What the heck is that? And how do I get one? What is that? Well, I take care of the day-to-day business of the church. What does the senior pastor do? Who's the worship team? Who's the worship this? Who does it? See, <coughs> What'd you just do? Who are the board of directors? That's all I need to know. And ask yourself this question. Are you on the Dow Jones? Can I get stock in this? Okay, listen, there's a church up in Denver right now. You can get your mortgages through them. You better have good attendance, though. I don't know how that works. All right? He says, by one spirit, Jesus is the baptizer and he immerses all into the one spirit, right? Okay, the Holy Spirit doesn't baptize. Christ baptized. And he says, you who are saved are immersed. You are completely covered on the outside by what? Spirit of God. Spirit of God. That's why Colossians says you are clothed in Christ. You can't change that. Well, I'm sort of clothed. No, you're not. You are completely clothed. But I want you to look at this next one because I want to show you what you have in salvation and drives me nuts why I see people chasing all the stuff that is out there because they want to be like the world. Because he says here, by one spirit, all baptized into one body. Whether Jew, Greek, slave, free. Then look what he says. And there's a key word here. We were all. Okay, the all is referring to who's been baptized into the body. All. We were all what? Made. To do what? Hmm. You have been placed into something and something has been placed into you. Right? That's what I mean. Hold your nose. Here comes the castor oil. Right? So I have also, I have been immersed into the person of Christ by the agency of the Holy Spirit. And in the same time, I was made to what? Drink. Of what? The Holy Spirit. So I have been placed into something and I have something has been placed into me. Okay, how much? Because I see people struggle with this. Well, how much of the Spirit? Well, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How much? Hmm. Romans 8 says, if anyone has not the Spirit, he ain't his. He ain't his. He ain't his. All right, so what you have is the illustration given in 12, and what is the reality of it in 13? You have been placed into something, Christ, by the agency of the Holy Spirit, and not only that, what has happened? Been placed in you. Now that you're all sitting there going, um, when are we 
we going to Red Robins? You lost me after Red Robin. Okay? Because you know what that is? That's nothing but theology. And we all sit there and go, Okay? I mean, he's mad at the church, evidently, because he's yelling at the church people. What's he trying to tell me? I'm telling you that in our society today, and possibly even in this building today, are people who have no clue what this means. Okay? You guys sang the words. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way with me, as long as it's not past 1 o'clock on Sunday. Okay? I want to show you some stuff, cool stuff. Turn with me to the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1. Okay? Key word there starts at, I'll pick that up in a minute and where I really want to deal with. But what you're going to find here is what Paul is basically dealing with to the Corinthians. All right? Therefore, okay, therefore, a summary of what I just came out of, I want to pick that up in a minute. All right? Here's what it says. Now, remember what I just, the, the lyrics you sang? I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way with me. Is it time yet? Look what Paul starts it out with. I, the what? Hmm. Implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. What calling would that be, Paul? Next verse. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for love one for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. There is one body. There is... Sounds familiar. There is one Spirit. Really sounds familiar. Just also... You were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What was the measure of Christ's gift? What was his boundaries? Hmm. Then let's read on. What has he given? He, therefore, it says, he ascended on high and he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse, now stop right there. Verse 9 is a parenthetical statement. Okay. And verse 10. All right. So it is these gifts to men based on the measure of God's grace. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For what? Equipping, edifying, strengthening the saints for what? A work of observing, watching. No. You know what the word is? Ministry. It's the word you get minister from. Who's the minister in the body of Christ? Those who are saved. But there's a purpose. Okay, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature, mature man to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. You got that? Did you read that? What was the measure of his grace? What was the limit of his grace? He limit of his grace was that I have given everyone a supernatural empowerment so that you can edify one another so that we can all stand together to the stature of the maturity of Jesus Christ and the whole world will say, whoa. How are you doing with that? That's what it says. Okay, but I want... That one there will feed you your lunch. Okay? Because I know people who are going to go out and I'm going to give it my best shot, buddy, because I'm telling you, here we go. Ain't how it works. Remember how it starts there? Verse 1. Therefore. Therefore. 
Ah, my favorite, one of my favorite texts in all of Holy Writ begins in verse 14 of chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer. He's coming out of, of a statement that he wanted to make. We were made alive in Christ and he's had a stewardship and then it dawned on him that he needed to share. You know what? The Jews and the Gentiles are all one. It's crazy. And that's really what he's saying. And he says, and he starts it out. He says, I want to pray about this. I, re- I for this reason, chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. See how he started it there? He picks it up again back in 4 because he has to make a stop. What's he stop for? He says in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Okay? From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay, now watch what he's going to do. Paul's praying. And he's, hallowed be thy name. Remember the framework for prayer? Holy is thy name. Here's how he honors God. Every human being was created by God. All right? That's how he starts. I bow my knees before the Father who everybody came from. All right? Look what he says next. That he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Stop right there. Did you get that? Well, you just sang a song. I want you to think about what you sang. All right? Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way with me. Paul's prayer right here says what? That he would grant to you, not out of the riches of his glory, but according to the riches of his glory. Remember, he says he gave to the measure of Christ's grace. What was the limit of his grace? Okay, what would be according to the riches of his glory? Well, ask yourself this. How big is God's glory? How big is it? How big is God's glory? Well, I just liken it this way. The span of His hand is creation. Pretty much settles it for me. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. All right? He says, I pray... Now listen, think of the text that you're coming out of. You have been baptized by one spirit into Christ and made to drink of that spirit. What's lacking in your life? Why would I want to look like the world? Why would I want to do it my way? It didn't get old Frankie anything. That would be Sinatra in case you were wondering. Frank? What do you mean, Frank? He has a song, I did it my way, never mind. Some of you are going, Frank? I thought it was Paul. (laughs) Never mind. Bad illustration. Okay. Now, I want you to look at that phrase again because he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory, what? Be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. Okay? How much power is in the Holy Spirit? It's easy. All of it. (laughs) I mean, you know, Ahmadinejad wants a nuclear bomb. I have the Holy Spirit. Okay? uh, Never mind. I shouldn't have used that one. Some of you are going, Ahmadinejad? thought you said it was Frank or Paul. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. We'll back up again. Where will you be strengthened? Where? In the inner man. And it is only going to be based on the measure of Christ's grace. That's all. That's all. See how this flows? He says there's a unity there. Preserve it in the bonds of peace. Why? Because I want you to walk in humility. Why? So you'll walk worthy. Why? Because you are strengthened according to the riches of God's glory in the inner man. Remember what I said? You were placed into something and something was 
placed into you. What is it? It's only the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in the inner man. That's all. Okay, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do to add to that? What are you going to add to that? Knowledge? Really? A job? Really? What are you going to add to that? I have been immersed into Christ and made to drink of the Holy Spirit. What am I missing? Nothing. Well, you just don't understand how hard it is to love. You don't understand the measure of Christ's grace. Was His grace enough to save you? Is His grace enough to cause you to disappear and to Him to appear? Well, I'm t- no. Well, you sang the song. You believe it? Or are you just singing it? Why? Because, I mean, Paul got on the Galatians, chapter 3. He says, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, you are now what? Perfected in the flesh? You know what? I see some of you busting your butts to do that and bless your hearts. You can't do it. It comes out of chapter 2. We studied this in our Sunday school class. I have been past tense crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Okay? Who crucified Christ? God did. Acts 20. Okay? God only crucifies that that he condemns. You got it? What did he condemn? Your flesh. My flesh. Why? You can't do it. What was going on in the church in Corinth? They were taking the stuff of the world, they were bringing it in, and they were trying to make them look more holy. Look at the church in America today. Why are we buying the business model? Because it's successful. Look! What's so successful about it? What is so successful about it? I meet with pastors in this town on a weekly basis and I talk to the guys around here and I talk to the big churches and the little churches and the, the liberal churches and the conservative churches. The, you name it, I've talked to all of them and I ask them one question. How many people are coming to repentance in your church and are walking worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ? Zero. They say they have an open door problem. And I said, what's that? He said, we've got as many people coming in the front door as we've got going out the back door. Why? i can tell you why. People don't want the commitment, they don't want the responsibility, and they don't want the involvement. We want the local religious production. And when you start calling me to do something else, I'm out of here. There's a better show somewhere else. And I can maybe even get off cheaper. See that? I want to show you this. He says, My prayer is that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Okay? And there's a reason. That would be verse 17. So that. Okay? Why? According Not out of the glory of Christ, but according to the glory of Christ. You be strengthened in inner man so that what? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints that what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and you be filled with fullness of God. Cool, huh? That's what you call a, a seriously packaged deal. Let me tear that apart for you really quick. First of all, verse 17, Christ dwell in your heart. The word dwell there means he's at home. He's not uncomfortable in your heart. He ain't uncomfortable. 
All right, He has convicted you. You've repented from it because you've been strengthened by this Holy Spirit in the inner man and you have the ability to move away from it. Okay? He's comfortable. In your heart, through what? Through faith. We started Abraham last night. And I showed you right off the bat, Abraham is not the father of faith and you do not want to mimic him. Okay, but you will watch God's faithfulness through Abraham's life as he takes him through some really weird stuff and that when it comes to time for him to sacrifice his true son, he has absolutely no problem with it because Galatians says God, he believed God could raise him from the dead. Okay, but he didn't get that way to start off with. He kind of had it, he had it all messed up. Okay, why? He was going to help God out. All right, and how many people, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What you began in the spirit, you're now perfecting in the flesh? You know what? It says one of the most liberating things you can ever get, especially in my role as a teacher, is you know what? I can't make you guys get any of this. And you know what? That used to just bug me. You know, I was trying to find illustrations and how do I do this? If I Greek, parse this Greek verb, maybe they can understand that. If I do this and do that. You know what? God says, you can't teach them this. And I said, so why you got me doing this? He says, because they must hear. I will teach. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit on the inner man who will dwell you, who will make Christ comfortable inside of you and then by your faith you will be rooted and grounded in love this is agape love this is one a love that takes not its own it's not concerned about its own why remember what he said in chapter 4 he says i want you to have all humility if you love as christ's love you will only be humble humble that's all you can be why what else you got to offer And you know what? As you get theology and more theology and more theology and more theology, you will become more humble and more humble and more humble and more humble. You have to. You get exposed to more and more who God is. What do you really have to bring to the party? Nothing. Nothing. And then he says here, you can comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the height, the length, the depth, and to know the love of God, uh, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You get that? You will know that that can't be known. That's what he just said. We'll know the love of Christ that surpasses knowing. Well, you do that. Strengthened according to the riches of the Holy Spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And then it says, you all, when that happens, when you're strengthened in the inner man by the person of the Holy Spirit, Christ is dwelling in you completely. Guess what? You're only going to be the fullness of God. Why would you short circuit that? What can you do to add to that? Man, that's a womb to the tomb. Who's got it covered? God does. What part of it? All of it. All of it. So you see why the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus and writing to the church in Corinth, was pulling his hair out because there was disunity. Why? I can't believe this. Do you not understand, people? That's what Paul's saying. What we already have, what we already possess, what is already ours in Christ Jesus. You have been placed into something and then you were made, something else was placed into you. You were immersed by the agency of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Already in it if you're saved. Then you were made to drink of the Holy Spirit so He would empower you for service, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, so that each of you could serve one another so that to maintain the unity that is Christ, God the Father, God the Son. He just lays it out here. This is a great text to mess with your Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormon buddies. Their Bible has the same text in here. So which is it? Holy Spirit... God, 
or Jesus? Yes. Well, which one? It is. All at the same time. We're in the inner man. Crazy, ain't it? So I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> you see what I'm trying to get at? And people say, well, theology is so boring. How can you get bored out of that? I've already been immersed in the body of Christ. Well, that's kind of cool. I've been made to drink. I don't like that made thing. Well, why? Because according to the riches of his glory in my inner man, I am being strengthened that Christ can live in me comfortably and I will be a manifestation of the fullness of God. That's what the text says. What are you lacking? Well, I need to get married. Well, dude, that ain't in that text. Well, I need this certain job. That ain't in that text either. That is what the world tells us. There is a unity that comes forth. Then in verse 20 and 21, he closes with this huge doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's all I can do. <laughs> Amen. He will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could, I could ever think or imagine. I remember a lot years ago, I thought, man, it'd be so cool to preach at Yankee Stadium. Okay? I preached in a church in London, England. It's older than America. I preached on the south steps of the Temple Mount, just, just south of the new wall, they call it, in Jerusalem. The new wall is 400 years old. I don't know where the old wall is. <laughs> Okay, I preached at the synagogue that was across the street from Peter's house where Jesus preached. And I was willing to settle for Yankee Stadium. I preached the largest church, evangelical church in Moscow. I've had the privilege to teach pastors in Russia. Okay, and let me tell you something, it ain't me. It ain't me. It is because I looked at this and said, you know what? Let me, Lord, let me, as Paul says, kneel before you and be strengthened in the inner man according to the riches of your glory that Christ will dwell in my heart at ease that I may understand the love of Christ that can't be grasped and the fullness of God be seen in me. That's what that text is saying. Listen, if every person in this room grabbed that and said, I want that. When you sing these words, I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way with me. It's a piece of cake. You don't even have to state it. It's just a walk. I'm just going to cruise on down the road with this. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And you know what? It produces the one thing that I have found in all of humanity humanity that is consistent. We want unity. We want unity. Anybody here really like confrontation? I don't. I don't want unity. And you know what? It's offered. It's already offered. And he says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling for which you have been called. And then he says, here's how it looks. And he gives you the church. How cool is that? Now then, do you see why he says, you know what? There's unity because there's one body and there's identity because there is one spirit. And you know what? Anytime you try to add to it, you will only cause disunity. Disunity. Why? Galatians chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 20 says, You have been, past tense, crucified with Christ. And the life I live in the flesh, I live in faith in the Son of God. Got that? You know what that tells me? God only crucifies that that he condemns. What is that? 
yours and my flesh. You really believe that in your strength, you are going to be able to comprehend the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses knowledge? I don't think so. It's bigger than this. It is. So do you see why Paul says, do you not understand you have been baptized into one body and you've been made to drink one spirit? Why? The unity is there. What is the unity? Christ and Christ alone. I'm digging it. I'm in. Did you get that? If you're saved today, you're in. You may not believe it. You may not even act like it. But you know what? You're still in. And I like that. So much that I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you for your plan being fulfilled in each of us. Father, I lift these brothers and sisters to you. May we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Father, let us understand that unity is there now. It's already there, Lord. And may we draw upon the, the, the depths, the riches of your truth. And Father, when we wrestle with this, give us the strength to overcome. Father, let your word invade us, overpower us, subdue us. That, Father, that the riches of this text would be seen in each of our lives individually. And yet, Father, please let it be manifest in your church globally. To your praise, amen.